Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 7th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHeads.com. We have games to talk about. The offseason's over, and we are very grateful for that. Uh, last week we didn't do the podcast because we came to the conclusion we didn't have nothing to talk about. So we, we, we passed on it, and now that problem has been absolved because the season started. Uh, we're going to talk about the Penguins uh, and their quest to three-peat. Looking great so far, right? Woo-woo! Um, got some contracts to talk about. That Eichel contract we referenced like a month ago, well, it finally got signed. Like Jesus. Um Double J back in the NHL. That's definitely being talked about on this podcast. And <laughs> I gathered a few um, listener questions, but I suppose that that's going to go into the Penguins section. One of these days, I'll get non-Penguins questions. No, so, I don't get Penguins. I don't even get suspension questions. I thought I'd at least get one one day. So... Penguins, um, let's talk about them. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was sparkling last night. James Neal had two goals. Pretty oh, good, right? Oh, 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 very, very good start. Look at that. Wow. That is Man. quality. <laughs> I thought the jerseys looked different. Those gloves look awesome. They look. I don't, I don't care what anybody else says. I love their gloves. Yeah, I'm fine with them. I don't think the uh, guy at Thursday Night Men's League should have them, but... Uh, no, but definitely they look awesome on those uniforms. And I'm quite happy with the fact that, you know, Fleury played well. I think won. he played a little more than well. That team he... is not very good, and from all accounts, uh, and from what, a little bit I saw of the game, uh, he looked uh, like vintage, uh, things going right, Fleury. Okay, so this is one of those things in this situation with Fleury, is that... He's great when he has a high volume of shots. Sometimes. To go against. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, you know what? Now that Corsic... Thank you, Manny. Thank you. Thank you very much, Manny. Now that Corsic is back up and going, I might go and do a little bit of a back look and see when Fleury did have a stack load of shots against and see what he was like. But it always felt like when he played in Pittsburgh that games where he had high volumes of shots on him, he did pretty well. Um, that was just always the feel that I had watching him play, and he's going to cop a lot of 35-plus games this year. So if that runs true, he's going to probably come on away looking all right out of this, which isn't bad for a guy like him because he's a good guy. I think he's going to feel aged 35-plus after this season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not going to hear me argue that. He's going to see a lot of rubber, and it's going to be a lot of left to right. And for a butterfly goalie, um, for a man that's been reasonably durable, muscularly he hasn't really missed a lot of games for muscle injuries and stuff like that um it's the wrong age i think to be getting a high volume of shots so uh yeah that was uh you know it was fun to see if you Mike... if you saw the score tracker that said flurry wins on a 45 save performance and then don't see pit after it it's like what I know, it'll take a little bit to adjust to that, but he's off to a great start. Um, no, I don't think the Penguins made a mistake. No. Oh, I don't, don't even, don't. 
don't even warrant any of that garbage with any of that. That's just not even worth discussing. That's so frustrating that that's already come up. <laughs> oh, it was going to come up because, you know, Murray's start against the Blues wasn't terrific. Um, I don't really take into consideration anything for Murray against the Blackhawks because it wasn't his game. It was a shit show. I don't even know why they bothered. I wouldn't put him in, to be honest. Nope. Nope, they should have. The whole point of having a backup, and the game's blown out, right? So you've got no chance to win it. What's the point of bringing a starter in? I don't, I, I, I've never understood that. When the, the backup fault is, you just go, right, let's try different stuff out there. Let's do things that we wouldn't be able to try if we were in a one-nil game. I just, and, not the way and putting him in in a non-winnable game. Like, I could understand you're up 2 nothing early and like your backup gives up three quickies you you put the your starter back in to to try and win the game that this wasn't that you weren't going to come back on chicago that night uh there's nothing about pittsburgh's play that spoke to uh that happening so i i yeah i agree with you i wouldn't um wouldn't have bothered in those two games any trends that you see concerning in amongst the 15 goals they've managed to give up in two games? Uh, I think save percentage will bounce back. But what people, um, you know, I really pointed it out during their playoff run, and yeah, you know, they win it all, so it kind of um, easier easier to ignore. But their forward depth isn't the same. Chris Letang being back is awesome. But they're not a good defensive team. They're a high event team that's splitting the high events now. And they don't have secondary scoring to, to make up for it. Furthermore, that was the success was based on save percentage being above average by a healthy margin, and that's not the case right now. Would it be a healthy margin below average right about now? I think it's 870 at even strength. It's ugly. That's what it is. It's ugly. And that's you're talking about um, legit flurry playoff criticism, low level of uh, save yeah. percentage. So yeah. just to kind of let you know how bad it's been the first two games. Um, yeah. I don't know... Like, that's the biggest thing coming into this year for Pittsburgh, at least uh, one of the things I was looking at. I'm not too concerned about their ability to generate, at least when half the forward lines are on the ice right now, or when Latang's on the ice, which is half the game anyways. So, my, okay, so this is now starting to feel very much like the end of the Bilesman era where it was two lines and then garbage after it. Yep. Now... That was when Sid and Gino were just the very, very tail end of their their peak performance primes, and they still couldn't get the job done themselves. So surely they understand that they're asking an awful lot of these two players to try and drag, you know, half the roster along with them. So the thing with this is I understand this is not going to be their final roster. They are obviously looking to make a trade for a center 
That hasn't happened yet. Hornquist hasn't been in the lineup yet. That will help out pushing depth down lower so it doesn't look as bad as it does right now. The problem is you've taken one point out of four. The next three games tonight is Nashville, and then I think you get Washington, who, yeah, they're not as good as they were last year, but they're not a bad team. Uh, and, a tough, and, tough and Tampa Friday. Bay, who just, uh, I believe they blew somebody out, right? Uh, they beat Florida 5-3. Ah, Florida. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> uh, but those are, Tampa should be good this year. That It's quite a stretch of games to open the season. And quite frankly, I know it's going to be crazy because they gave up 15 goals, but I don't view Chicago as the cream of that central anymore, and I think St. Louis is closer to the bottom than the top. And you, you sit there with that, and the first – this is the thing that I find kind of funny. You could get to the end of the first week of the season for Pittsburgh, all their first seven games, and have only won two and have, it will have given up an average of maybe five goals a game in amongst that entire stretch if not more, when you think about it, because they've given up 7.5 in two games already, um, it could go pear-shaped for them very quickly. What worries me about it going pear-shaped quickly is Rutherford is like, he's done nothing, and then all of a sudden he's going to want to do something big to show that he's on the ball, and that's what scares me. I think there's... Um, I don't disagree with your sentiment of if things don't improve i don't like the idea of he hasn't rushed into a trade that's that's obvious they don't have a guy right now and it's it's hurting them and it's also not lost on him that they need a guy but i think it's because these riley she i'm just going to use riley sheehan as an example yeah like, yeah. I think those could be had, and he's just like, uh, nah. I'm curious how how big are we looking here if uh, the longer this Duchesne crap goes on, if it gives Rutherford a little bit more time to to, to pony up maybe what, uh, what the Avs want, because that would change Pittsburgh back into – high event team that's controlling the shot share of the high events and that would be a good fit and i know yeah obviously well, of course the uh the top six center on the market that you put at 3c would be a good idea but i think he's probably looking towards something like that right now but the only issue is how many uh points in the standings are you going to bleed during this and the problem you have with that is that the Metro is one of the toughest divisions to play in. So, and they'll only have one game against a, a Metro team, the first five, which, which is Washington. Which is technically a blessing in disguise. So say they played all of these against the Metro and they lost them all, all those teams get – they're like all four-point games, those games. So they're only going to be like two behind Washington if they lose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe having them – spread across other divisions might save Pittsburgh's ass while they're trying to get themselves into gear. But at what, at what record do you get there with Pittsburgh and suddenly make that panicked, okay, we have no choice, we can't wait for 25 games into the year, 
to make the Duchesne. Yeah, you tape. can't you can't not make the playoffs going for a three peat when Sid Gino, Latang, and Phil are still on the roster. Yeah, so you sit there with it, and it's like, at what point do you then suddenly overpay in assets, future assets, which you are going to need maybe when Sid and Gino bail out? Like, how far forward can you give your assets up? Like, you're going to have to give up some first rounders here and some high end prospects to get a player like. Um, Duchesne, and you've just traded away your number one uh, defensive prospect you had in the system. Sort of. You know what I mean? And it's like... And, and well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. Yeah, so I'm just, I just sit there with it and I'm like, I'm always nervous with him. Everything he's done in Pittsburgh basically has turned to gold for him so far. At some point, law of averages has to wash out and say something's not going to work. You know? Well, it wasn't gold year one. Was, you know? Did he trade Perron? He traded for Perron. Yeah. I didn't. And I didn't. Right. I'm not going to criticize no. that trade, but it didn't didn't really work. Uh, but, no, but, but he flipped it for Haglin, and that was fine. But like, they they bailed on the 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 talent portion of things and did the max lapierre bullshit and then you can kind of go back to this summer when they went back to that nonsense with ryan reeves apparently they just want to trade for shitty players from the blues and stick them on the fourth line for whatever reason <laughs> so that middle portion where they focused on the skill and speed stuff, they won two cups. Now we're back to adding grit. And, and if you really want to look at their trading and drafting, we're not talking about defensemen that are racking up a lot of points in their junior or junior years and stuff like that. They're, they're big, they're size, they can play physical. If you look at the scouting reports and, I don't like that. I don't know if it's a trend yet per se, but it's something to keep an eye on. Because the guy they traded Pouliot for is just a lumbering 100 penalty minute, low offense kind of guy that's going to be a career AHLer. And that was always the problem I had with the Derek Pouliot situation because this was going to be the end game. And it shouldn't have been. No. Uh, I'm willing to. I, I believe that they handled him wrong and should have given him more extension of games, regardless of how they felt about him as a person or whatever, because I'm not, I'm not there to know the, uh, the inside yeah. stuff. But here's the deal. It's still the way the NHL is set up. He's still a valuable <laughs> asset. He still has pedigree as a top 10 pick. He was still putting up points in the AHL. Play him. If you hate his guts, play him and get him the hell out of there for something. Yeah. You should have some foresight. If you really don't like this player, you should know, okay, he's not in our long-term plans, but, man, we used an eighth overall pick for this guy, and other GMs around the league still value that kind of thing. They don't. They can't look past where a person was drafted sometimes. Maybe we could package him in for a third-line center trade or whatever, um, but no, they kept monkeying around with it, plummeted his value, and now they got a fourth round pick and some plug for an eighth overall pick 
It's just a bad job. Well, it's part of the Jordan Stall trade. I think that's why that hurts me more, hurts me as much as it does as well. That's sort of like, you know, Dumoulin's the only piece left. And he's fine. He is. He's probably he's more Jordan than Stoll. fine, but... But he's not Jordan Stall, Ryan. He is not Jordan Stall. He's not Brandon Sutter either. Thank God. Um, Fourth line Brandon Sutter, I think. Yeah, I know. Jesus Christ. Um, Maybe he can find his way to Vegas. We can have a 2013-14 Penguins reunion as the Vegas roster. It's a little bit like that, isn't it? Speaking of reunions, Jaeger's going around again. Yeah, it's great. And to Calgary, which was like always kind of the rumored destination. Great fit. It is. If it they is. can somehow manage to find some somebody to take Brower from him and have Yager, geez. Don't don't say that when we've got Rutherford looking around for holes. Brower fits the exact, and he's an ex St. Louis Blue. Fits the exact um exact sort of mold of somebody he think would come in and. Help straighten out the locker room. <laughs> um, no. No, but I'm excited. Uh, now we got a West Coast team to watch this year. <laughs> what, you can't stay up and watch McDavid, aren't they, in the same time zone? No, I'll watch a little bit of the Oilers. Uh, for that reason, maybe Yager will solve the arena problem. That's how good he is. <laughs> he's your but Jesus maybe he'll he'll get on a run at, at the casino and, and be able to just build the arena himself uh, <laughs> that'd be funny now am I correct that he said 99.9% sure this is his last year yeah well if that's the case I'm definitely I don't even care if he's on the trade market. I'm Yager watching it. <laughs> he plays he plays sixty odd games this year. I think he's the plays the most ever. Passes how? I think he's got a sixty five game uh, bonus thing in his contract where he'll get an extra mil. Oh, yeah. so, By the way, yeah. one million, two million at the most. What the f- and St. Louis wanted him, and they're like, well, we can only do 800000 Get the fuck out what? of here, St. Louis. I don't, I, I, honestly, I don't understand. Especially after Fabry went down, like, what are you doing? Bang, like, yo, I don't know off. if he fits. Listen, does he fit? He wins the possession battle at age 45 and puts up top six... Points per 60 at even strength. I don't know if he fits. Yeah, because St. Louis has got speed to burn on that roster. I've never understood. His reputation really did take a hit on the theory that he really slowed down the guys in Florida. But it's like... No, no, no. But that, that was always the... If you, if you could be bothered, and I've stopped doing it now because I can't do it, but if you go and listen to all the mainstream media podcasts that talk in generalities about uh, about teams and stuff like that, because I don't have time to deep dive into teams, 
that's what everyone would say. They'd get there and go, the Florida team, it's young and all this stuff. Is Jaeger slowing down, you know, the top six because he's in a top six role and, you know, he's not lightning fast like he was. That's the word that goes around. Now, yeah. you would expect general When, when manager... the complete opposite's happening. Correct. And plus, the other thing is that he doesn't lose the puck. Like, he, he wins almost every puck battle. Very rarely does he lose a puck in a puck battle on the boards. He can hold the puck in for one. Anyway, you, you get there with that, and it's like general managers should be doing their due diligence and actually bothering to look at the tape. You know, if he ends up being an, on, as your third-line winger on a team that has three possession lines, if he's your third-line winger, he's probably going to score you 20 down there in 14 minutes a night, second unit power play. It's like, I don't understand how that couldn't work in St. Louis. I just, I do not get that. It's one thing if your whole team has Jager speed in the skating league now, but you can deal with someone with Jager speed when it's Jager. Yeah, he's an exception to every rule. He's broken every rule there is in regards to all of those things that you just laid out. So, well, I'm happy, and the traveling Yagers will have to get another member, and it, it, they'll actually probably all be at the home games now, because I believe they're based in Calgary. So I think they are, yes. <laughs> so that'll be fun to, to cool. see throughout the year. Um, where shall we go next? Uh, do you want to compare the Eichel and Elon's contracts, or do you want to discuss them separately? Probably separately. I don't think they're really comparables. No, but it hasn't stopped Twitter from trying to do so. That's why I brought it up. So, Ehlers is awesome, I think. Yep. But he has quite the surrounding cast. Even though the team's underachieving, some of that can be traced to goaltending. I think he's got quality a teammate in a great way in Winnipeg with some of those forwards. Where, you know, Eichel, the team literally that drafted him tore apart their roster for the right to draft him. And they're still building it back up. So while the numbers might ha speak comparable, long term, I think Eichel's going to be a, a faster Ryan Getzlaff. I think he's going to be a $10 million player. I don't have a... I don't have an issue with the contract. You 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 lock him up till what is it? You'll be twenty nine, I think, when that ends up. So right at the very tail end of his, well, he'll be just outside of his prime scoring years. If but you can't still, do something, but still very good. Still very good. Yep. Um, I can't see him having a, a massive drop off uh, around thirty. But it's like if you can't manage your roster in that eight years to at least have a couple of cracks at the cup, as in you know make conference finals, then it's not Eichel's fault. Like, it won't be. It'll be what Furthermore, you, the problem isn't paying your best. The problem is paying middle and lower. Well, Buffalo has a guy that understands the cap quite well. So I don't think that's going to be a problem for them to manage the cap there. Bastards. Right, though? Like, if there's any team in the league that can understand the cap, uh, they seem well, yeah. to be one of the top ones that would get that. Really, their only potential bad contract, well, they could have 
I'm not counting Molson because that's going to be done soon. He's off. <laughs> not sure. Maybe one more year at the most. Yeah, he's got next year as well. Oposo later in that term could be bad. Ristolainen's really the one to follow. As the Sabers get better, does he get better? Do they you know put they him might, in a role to figure it out? They might run into that really annoying problem where they just don't get their guys to their, their core guys together all at the right time in their careers. Because Oposo is twenty nine, right? And they've banked a lot of years on Oposo, so theoretically he's already on that downhill slide, right? So they need the next two years of him to do well. Can you see this roster as constructed right now pushing through before he starts to become a $6 million albatross? Depends I, on how creative Botterill gets. You know, because Evander Kane's got to get signed at the end of this year as well. Uh, he might get traded. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing with him. No, they, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what they should do with him. I think they should probably move him. Well, okay, so why are you moving him? Lack of production or the external stuff around the lack of production? Uh, neither. I think he, he scored a lot of goals last year at even strength. He had a good year. Uh, problem so being, I, I just don't want to be on the hook for his next contract. You don't want to overpay for the next contract, yeah. No, no, no I was just, just trying to clarify. Cause I don't consider sma- him the uh, uh, a core piece for their future. Like... If you want Kane long term, you shouldn't have done Oposo's contract. That's yeah, it was one or the other, and they picked their poison already. So, I I would really think about for Buffalo what they really want to do with Sam Reinhart. Second overall pick, not a bad player, but he's going to want money eventually. And I don't think he's Nylander or Marner good. But he's going to want to get paid like it. And he's only going to be their third-line center. I know they can black him out in the wing, but... It depends. I We'll see. Well, are you willing to pay him Jordan Stall money to be a third-line center? I mean... Um... I would not rush to give him his extension right now. No. I think you I mean, really need to see like, what he does this year. I he maybe he is one of those bridging contract guys that you sit there and you you know I have to go. I wide think he's got to be. You literally don't know, do you, right now? I don't. I see the skill, but he's. I see the skill. The his environment to play in hasn't been ideal for a young player. I think they'll be a better team this year, so I'm I'm keeping my eye on a lot of things in Buffalo this year. That's all right. You live in Buffalo. It should be easy. I do not. Do not. Do not say that. <laughs> Sorry. No, Buffalo's Sorry, fine. Just... I enjoy visiting Buffalo. Um, <laughs> Middlestat looks great in college. Uh, Goulet is a good... I don't know how to... He's a young, up-and-coming defenseman that... Should be okay. And the Nylander's brother, uh, Alex, we'll see if he can make a dent in uh, the NHL ranks coming up. So they're an interesting team on the rise. 
Not like Toronto on the rise, but, you know, they're not going to be in the gutter anymore. No, that's true. Uh, let me try and track. You want me to track down some of these questions? Yeah, go on. Track them down. I've just gone and had a quick look at the uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, roster. And you're right. He has had the luxury of playing with better players around him. Yeah, and I'm not going to hold that against him. No, 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 no. I mean, you, you, it's the Konoshiri uh, scenario. You might play with the best players, but you've still got to produce while you're doing so. All right, so I got, like, multiple similar questions. Um, kind of briefly covered one. Adam Machino, Little Mac 0816. Besides our bad team defense, what is our biggest weakness that needs to be addressed now? Third line center, bottom six, decor. Uh, he's referencing the Penguins, if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think 3C is the clear one because... Oh, and I would like to give some kudos to Greg McKegg against the Blues. I thought he looked really good. Have no idea about the sustainability of that performance, but very fast and was pretty slick on... Um, scanning the ice and distributing the puck on a few of those plays, especially the one to Connor Sheary to tie the game. It's always interesting when a guy who's he's 25 comes out of nowhere. Like You sort of see that every now and then around the league. It's like, where did this guy come from? What's going to happen? Like, Is he going to be one of those guys that just has a, a, a career year, one year, flush in, flush out, or is it going to be something larger? Is it sustainable for 80 games? Who was that Penguin 2013-14 that they picked off the dumpster heap? He was a bottom for like a fourth liner, and he got like two goals in one of the first few games, and then he was couldn't find his place in the lineup anymore. Ah, what was his name? Mark Letester. No, I don't no. Know. Um, shit, I just had it. I think he. Hang on. 2013-14, did you say? Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm usually pretty good with that, but no, nah, you've got me on toast this time. All right, if I think of it. It wasn't Chad LaRose, but it was something along those lines. Oh, right, yeah. Anywho. And the, look, the bottom six for me is the fundamental issue. I think they'll work out their pairings. They might flip and flop their pairings around until they feel comfortable with what they've got. Um I'm still snarky at the fact that they hated Pooley up that much that they'd much rather have Matt Hunwick in the lineup um, because Pooley can move the puck. Hunwick has never really proven to be a player that can do that. And this puck, this team needs the puck out of the zone in control. None of this chip it off the boards garbage and force your skilled forwards to chase it down. They need it in possession and they may get exposed for not being able to do that now. Um, so yeah, they need talent in the bottom six. If Rutherford can pull off a freaking Duchesne like trade, so somebody of that caliber to fill out the center depth, then even if it means giving up uh, somebody that you would consider in that, you know, top six depth, like you know, a Hagelin or or even a Sheary, I suppose, depending on the age of the center, um, that might be what has to happen for to make it work. 
Yeah, and uh, that player's name? Chuck Kobasu. <laughs> oh, good get. Good get. I, 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 I Googled it. I Googled it. But guess what? He had two goals all year in 33 games. Guess when they came? First and second? Something like that. I, I'm not yeah. looking that part. I'm not going through his game log. <laughs> so let's hope uh, Mr. McKegg doesn't do that. But here's the thing I liked about um, McKegg is potentially the fourth line center. Like his previous numbers are not ideal when you look at his track record previously, but he can skate and that's an asset in this league. And if he can, he flashed the ability to make a few nice plays. I'm not concerned about his ability to skate. Like I know that's sustainable, but can he, can he not just be a bland chip and chaser? I need somebody that understands the importance of uh, the controlled exits and entries that so many of these bottom six players just concede and go, oh, I'm the fourth line. Try, don't try to do too much. And it's like, yeah, but also maybe not turn down the time and space you have that you earn just to chip it yeah. in and go fucking dick around with it in the corner. And in the brief moments that you've seen, are you happy with enough of what you've seen that shows that he he has the capability of not just not just giving the puck back? I'm more intrigued than I was. Yeah. Okay. You just I'm want to continue to. I think, I think we all that. just like saying McKeg. I think I like the idea of McKeg more than Rowney. I don't I don't see Rowney ever contributing in a meaningful way. Well, it's Dad and Kuhnhackle as well. Like that's the. I I'm done with Kuhnhackle. I know you're done with the Kuhn. I um. I think his. I looked at Micah's hockey viz chart for the Blackhawks game, and I, he was on the very very left. So <laughs> like almost on the line was zero, but also at the very bottom. Ouch. So he was like one in twenty. One shot attempt four in around twenty against that game. That's brutal. He blocked shots, but you know what? I don't care. It's not worth it to me if he can't contribute at even strength. Yep. And he's playing third line right now. It's like, oh my god. And 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 that's and that's where the depth is is such a, a big issue. It's a big issue right now. We'll see. I mean, Hornquist was practicing with one hand as of like a week and a half ago, so he's legitimately hurt. They can't rush that back. They have to wait for him to be right. Well, one thing I will say is that it does feel as though they do have ready-made replacements in the minors that could come up and play third-line minutes. Maybe. If they decided to to not go for a defensive thirst defensive thirst thought process on the third line, like I don't want to see Zach Aston Reese come up and have to worry about playing defence. Same with Teddy Bluger. You know, we haven't even discussed the fact that um, oh, Sprong's finally got into the AHL and that's where he should stay for the whole year, sort of thing. So. Um, I'm not gonna um, paint him down in the AHL. Uh, if he's if he does some Jake Gensel AHL stuff, 
pull him up. That's just so rare for that to happen, but I'm not going to argue you at all on that one whatsoever. So I just sit there with it and it's like, they're not totally toast. They just can't afford to throw points away at the start of the year while they're trying to sort out their roster, that's all. But this roster is so bare. In it's places. shallow. It's really shallow. And so, did we cover everything on that one? I think so. And extra. <laughs> All right. Chris S. Spelled like Chris Letang. All-star Scuderi. <laughs> That's a very good, uh, <coughs> very good handle. Do you think Mata is truly better this year, or is he basically just the same player he's always been? Well, that's a great question. And I think we're going to learn the answer to that as we get going this year. I think there are a few things that are in play now that can help him. One, he's healthy. That's a good start for him. I don't think his skating... People are like... Going gaga that he's somehow like totally improved his skating, and I'm not so sure about that part of it. I think playing with Justin Schultz is certainly going to help him. His quality of teammate, a daily wrecked him. So while I had previous criticisms of Mata, um, I am I also understand that Daly was poison to him. And when he got away from Daly, he did improve last year. So being with Justin Schultz, I think, can have that Matt Niskanen effect. Now, can Mata handle being in the middle pair as opposed to the bottom pair like he was in that same situation where he has a very good right righty partner? I don't know what to expect with Ollie because it's his health. Has he had enough time? over this preseason to party, get better, and then improve on his physical condition from what he was last year. Because when he did play with Niskanen, he 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 can make the right choice. He knows the right play to make, but he needs to be able to get into the position to make those plays. And, and when you're not 100% healthy, you always end up falling short on that. So um, I hope for his sake he's healthy and, and we get the martyr that we saw... With Niskanen, and you're right. You know, he definitely is playing with a player in Schultz that that should be able to make that happen for him. He's never been a, a great, great possession player. That's his his strength, in my opinion, has been generating offense at even strength. And in game one, he blasted a puck right into the net, and um, you know was very good on the possession front with Schultz. That pairing did not do as well against Chicago, but you know what? What do you want me to say about that? Nobody played well against did Chicago. <laughs> no, not really. So <laughs> Schultz and Mata, and it's something I said last year. I don't know why they felt like they needed to marry Justin Schultz to Ian Cole. That combo wasn't good enough to justify the unbreakable mentality that seemed to be with it. And I don't know why they fell in love with Daily Mata when clearly that was a shit pairing. I still don't know how they won the Stanley Cup. Oh, wait, I do. They injected PDO into their veins, but (laughs) it it looks as though the PDO has dried up so far two games into this season. 
you know, you, I'm gonna, this is this is what's going to happen. They're going to stumble their way through the first ten or twelve games that they miss Hornquist. Hornquist will come back. Nothing else changes, and they go on a six-game winning streak. And Hornquist is going to end up signing an extension for like six years at five million dollars. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be out that long. You know what I'm saying, though. Oh, I know what you're saying. Man, that next contract better be short and term if it's in Pittsburgh, because yep. that one could go bad quick. I will. I will say this though. Dave Lozo made a good point. Teams still manage to get their way out of these goddamn deals. You know. Yeah. Everybody manages to find a, a team that's wanting to, to just get to the cap floor, so they just trade them off for some other asset that they can find usable and stuff like that. So whilst I believe you're exactly right about that Hornquist contract, if Pittsburgh really wanted to get out from it, they could. Every team seems to be able to get out. Yeah, especially Chicago. Well, look at Toronto as well. They can afford to just buy... Yeah, that Lupul stuff sure was interesting. The the Lupul loophole? What? Yeah. Um, I guess he failed his independent physical, so... Yeah. That was an interesting situation. For those that don't know, he... Um, you know, the Leafs, there are rumors of blackmail uh, keeping him out. They're still paying <laughs> him the five mil, but they, they're not even allowing him to play in the AHL. Lupul kind of on Instagram made a comment about... Uh, the Leafs cheating the cap or inferencing. Wasn't he, wasn't he snowboarding as well at the time? Maybe. I don't know about that part of it. but uh, And then he wanted to see an independent doctor so that he could force the Leafs' hand into uh, getting back into the NHL, but I don't believe that physical went well for him. I mean, he had, he, he has had some like back disc injuries and stuff like that so oh nathan Horton all over who was also on their payroll right amazingly uh, the nate yeah. horton stuff sucks because man yeah. he was a really good player he got fucked over on a dirty hit in the stanley cup final and and since that it, it's it was all mostly bad not good and what a good player he was Yep. He got cut down right in the middle of when he was awesome, too. <clears throat> it's not like it was at the tail end or before we got to see his best. It was like right in the middle of it. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's the extent of the questions I have as far as <laughs> differentiation. <laughs> Everything else pretty much the same. Sort of Where's the new third line center? For me, it's just a bit. As much as I bag out on on Rutherford, he is obviously not an idiot. So he's like you said, he's got things in place if you get desperate, if he has to lob someone in there. But you don't want to put a a, a bit. If you get there and you actually think that you know Mr. McKegger can play fourth line, you don't want to go and trade for Riley Sheen as the example that we used before where you go, well, we're going to have to trade for something bigger later in the year anyway, 
and that should push Sheehan down. Yeah, the Sheehan value was eventual fourth line center. Yeah, but but that's not necessary if McKeg is uh, serviceable. Correct. Yeah, so if he if he can be your fourth line center, um, you don't want to make that you don't want to make that low tier trade. You know. 10 or 12 games into the year because you literally have to. You don't. You hope the team can tread water for long enough. Here's what needs to happen. Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Phil, Gensel, Murray have to carry this team and earn points right now if the three-peat's going to be realistic. Yeah. They need to buy time for the general manager to make the most appropriate trade. Well, the one they can get the biggest bang for their buck because they are going to need. A, I don't know if you want to use it like Duchesne as well. He's the easiest one to use as an example, but they need somebody with that kind of driving power to fill that third line role. Well, here's the, try- here's the greatest thing about having Phil Kessel is you put him on the, the the third line, and it's not a third line with this with if you have a upper end, yeah, third line center because Malkin and. Crosby, well, Crosby's got his line. That shouldn't really be touched. Malkin doesn't need Phil. No. It's fine. If Patrick Hornquist isn't part of whatever third-line center trade, he can play with Malkin. And Phil can drop down and play. And that spreads the wealth again. And that gives you the HBK idea again. Which everybody went gaga over and couldn't understand. Well, they were fantastic in year one. I know. But the philosophy is still the same, though. You're still spreading the... You know, Phil Kessel, for all of his flaws, is still one of the best snipers in the game. He still requires respect from the, the blue line in and requires defensemen to back up. He creates space for so many other players. That's why he's such an underrated passer, although I think that's starting to get blown by, which is good. He creates plays for other people because of his speed and the fact that that wrist shot is so electric. That if you have a competent center in the middle that can tip pucks or just get into the right spots to create passing lanes for the other winger, then all of a sudden you've got a third line that's making teams go, well, Christ, we can't put everything into the top two. We've got to do something for this third line. Then the fourth line, you know, McKeague doesn't matter as much, does it? You can have that really, really cheap option down there. Still got Reeves down there. What a waste. I, in, what sort of frustrates me about that is Pittsburgh have got three or four players that they probably wouldn't mind seeing if they're up to the NHL standard, right? Why not just have Reeves' spot as a placeholder for those guys? Just road hand them too on a five-game vote retaining basis. Or not play him. No, that, no, no, that's what I mean. Don't have him there at all. Play Zach Aston Reese up for five games. Just play him. Just tell him. You're going to get seven or eight minutes a night. We just want to see what you like. Play him. He's done right. Bring up the next guy. Bring up Sprong. Play Sprong there. And and don't treat that fourth line like garbage. Because if you're going to put a skilled guy up there, you want to see what they're like, allow them to play with skill. Allow them to be a part of that. I don't I don't get this. It's this Management in this sport moves at a glacial pace. It hates change. It hates evolution. And it would be great if they... They played Reeves, what, six minutes against Chicago or eight minutes against St. Louis, right? 
that eight minutes is better spent on developing your youth. Surely it's better trying to find out whether they're any good or not. I, I had my own game during the Chicago game, so I was playing. Yep. Um, I saw I you briefly saw that. some Reeves tweets like, did something physical happen? And somebody tweeted out, I thought this was the point of having Reeves on the team. So I I don't know what happened, but yeah, well, you're gonna get some of that this year. Something bad's gonna happen to a, a skilled. Penguins player and Reeves, of course, will be on the roster. And of course, it doesn't mean shit. No, and what I do find that is, un- well, actually, you know what I was going to say. I don't blame Reeves for that, but I kind of no, do. No, I don't blame Reeves for it. No, but I kind of do because he gets there and he he actually he caters to the question and is like, yeah, you know, of course I need he does. It's around. a survival of making good money. <sighs> So, so I will never I fault no the player. I will never fault the player. I, no, I have no sympathy for him. If he wants to sit there and say, yep, yep, I'm here to protect Sid, and then he fails to protect Sid, then that's on him. That is well, on he's him going to fail the because the whole premise is flawed. I know, but that's on him for not being on the ice for being able to protect whoever gets clocked. No, because that's, that's the way it's perceived. And the that's, a guy, that's a guy Sid making a... I'll tell you what, I'd pretend to play that role right now for that money. No, I... Hey, the logic behind it for him is solid. But if you look at the logic behind it from the general manager to the media to fans, it's like, yeah, we get Ryan Reeves, we're protecting our guys. It's not going to fucking work. So I do. And I don't care the- if the guys think it works either. You you tell them and you, you – there's plenty of literature out there on, hey, then why, why did the Blues lead the league in uh, games suspended against them? With Ryan Reeves in the lineup. Now, I'm not yeah. talking about Blues players being suspended. No, I'm talking about guy. the other guys taking liberties on the Blues. And you sit them down and say, okay, this is actually what's happening. This isn't a thing. I understand where you're coming from because you grew up with hockey culture. But it's, this is false, and it's going to make our team worse, and we're not doing it. And here's why. I just... it. And you didn't have this these bogus players the last two years, and what happened? Oh, you 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 won two Con Smythe awards, Sid. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, it's just it just drives me nuts. You know why put people out there? And what will end up happening is that if something does happen to a penguin, then it'll be a retribution thing anyway. And it's like, that's just, that's worse. I don't like it when teams go after each other's players because somebody was dumb enough to have a, a Tom Wilson on their team who, you know, got suspended for four games after already being suspended for two. So, you know, well done, George Paros, for bringing the hammer on that fucking garbage. And I just, I don't understand why these players exist anymore. <sighs> Sorry. It is moving towards, I think, the right direction, but we're not there yet. I don't want to be 70 years old by the time I get there. Yeah, but just think of the 10 lockouts. I don't want to think about that either. (laughs) Bad enough thinking about the next one that's coming up, dude. I know. Oh, Uh, actually, do have good news before we get this thing up, though. Nathan Walker, first Aussie. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, <clears throat> sorry. Is he going to be in the lineup? Yeah, this will be his first game. So, congratulations. Will we be interviewing Mr. Walker at some point? Do you have any poll? I have absolutely no pull for a You have to be the foremost Australian hockey voice. Uh, I'd like to try to be, but I don't think I am. But the thing that is kind of amusing You is... and Margot Robbie. As far as I know, it's Margot Robbie, but doesn't matter. Oh, whatever. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Be, you you be know us, better than be, I be us two and uh, probably Saskia Stewart would probably be the three preeminent voices I know floating around from, from down under. Um, Do they have a five-star rated podcast yeah. on iTunes? Yeah. It's a very they good do? point. I don't think so. Yeah, no, 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 no. Saskia works for the least in their, in their media department. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, it's just it's really cool. Like He left Australia at 14 to go and chase this down through the college system. So... Um, that's just brilliant that he had the courage to go and, and do that and he now gets his chance to play on the, the biggest stage. Um, and the Capitals are actually apparently, this is what I read today, that they're going to play the uh, Aussie National Anthem before the game starts. And I'm Oh, like, that, that the petition was successful? I think so. And I'm like, Oh, that's this? great. That, I think that's fantastic. But one, our National Anthem's not particularly... Uh, Brilliant. And two, really? Right now? In amongst all of this garbage? What if the players kneeled? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Aussies. <laughs> you, and your, you and your gay marriage vote. <laughs> oh, bring it all back. That's that's so funny. That's Yeah, so look, that's just, it's fantastic. Like, so like I'm okay for a national anthem when the first guy from his country, that's a nice gesture. Hey, welcome to the league. Uh, yeah. But my, my thought process still remains the same. I don't know why the hell the anthems are a thing at all at non-international sporting events. That's not going to change anytime soon. No, but it's so, oh, it's, so you're, over it. You're exactly right. It's Look, I, it's just it's fantastic. Um, won't do anything really for the sport here, I think, unless, um, you know, he... Carves out, you know, five or six years worth. Um, I don't what know kind whether of the player is he? Well, that's the thing. We'll, we'll wait and see. He's, he's done enough to at least get a look. So the thing, I mean, the thing for me is, or is he a defensive guy? Um, skill with a skill with an edge. Doesn't mind throwing the body around, but that's pretty much any Australian in any contact sport, really. So it's not surprising. You've so seen rugby, what rugby and skates. You've seen what our kickers do in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so, are you gonna yeah. get his hero chart framed and put it on the wall? I probably will hero chart him up. I might see what he does with Mike's hockey viz stuff as well. And yeah, but are you gonna print him out, frame him up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put him up on the wall. I'll put him next to all of my flurry photos. If we ever, if we ever do a video feed of the podcast, you can have all of Walker's <laughs> stat charts framed behind you. <laughs> Here is game 84 of the 2018-19 season, where he had four uh, what was it? Four zone entries with possession. Okay. So yeah, very happy with that. That's all good. <laughs> I um I know there's been a lot of hockey played, but I don't really have much else to 
to hit on other than Connor McDavid looks pretty awesome. Yeah, <clears throat> it's gonna be um, it's gonna be interesting to see how he goes, um, making us all shake our heads. Really, like you know, hat trick opening night. Um, he's the only reason that they won. Really, when you look at it, it's that and Yager wasn't there yet. <laughs> well, that's that's the obvious. Problem. Yager could slow Connor down. That's because Connor wouldn't have the puck. Um, yep. Yeah. That's it's. It's one of those things where they're going to be an interesting watch for me this year because there's going to be so much uh, media attention on them for the obvious reasons of Conor McDavid and just the, the sheer expectations of of what everyone expects them to do. But also you see the stats guys flipping out tweets going, not even McDavid can can drag these guys up and even McDavid has you know bad spots. And it's all the same guys that are dragging these possession down. And it's like... Are they going to be the anchor that stops this team from moving forward? And Russell's there for a couple, like three or four more years, and, and so is um, Lucic. So for me, it's just an interesting case study in regards to you can't just bring a general manager in and have him go back to his tried and true and think it's going to work. So I have no faith in their management team. No, none. None at all. I have faith in Connor uh, McDavid to hide a lot of it more than any other player should be able to in this sport. That's how good he is. And he'll hide it and buy uh, Chiarelli some years um, as a general manager for something that he didn't really do anything for. I I can see McDavid winning a Stanley Cup before he's 24, right? I can see that happening. But if he hits 25 without one and Chiarelli is still general manager, then something's gone very wrong in Edmonton. A lot of things are going to have to fall right for the Oilers to win one, I think. You you reckon they're going to have to fall right for the Oilers to win rather than fall wrong for them not to? Well, yeah. So who who in the... You see, I, this year I don't think they're going to go particularly great. I, I think they'll run into issues because it'll all be... Okay, com- so how's it getting better from this year? No, 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 I, that, that's the thing. It's like I, I just expected there to be natural progression with, you know, a couple of the young dude getting better. I mean, Talbot and, was amazing last year. He was. What happens if he's average? Oh. We had, didn't we have this conversation like four weeks ago in the Pacific yeah. Division preview? Yeah, my thoughts haven't changed. That's, that's exactly why they're going to be interesting to watch. Ignore the fact that he's going to be awesome to watch all and he's lonesome. But like, what happens as the year progresses? You trade Eberle away, you know, for Strom, which, you know, I, I think the Islanders did well there. You need Paul Jarvie to fill that Eberle void, Kenny. I don't know. Will I give him a chance to? That's the I other. I don't know. That's the <laughs> other question, isn't it? I don't know. So... All right. Is that that? Yeah, I think that's that. All right. Go to iTunes and give us a rating and maybe even a comment. And if they're funny enough, maybe we'll even read them. Nothing will beat the rainforest one, though. (laughs) That's a good one. Is it in the rainforest? 
Somebody trying to murder you with a chainsaw? I don't know. Well, I miss Chainsaw Guy. I don't. I do not. That was great. That was great podcasting. Hey, what do you think about that guy's coursey? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we think about that guy's coursey. That bad. Uh, those were the early days of the podcast. Archival footage goes way back. Um, yeah, so there's that. There's Facebook. I, I notice we're getting a few likes. Um, that's good. Keep those coming. Share share that. HockeyHurts.com is uh, the website. Patreon.com slash HockeyHurts for uh, volun- uh, to volunteer financial support for the servers and whatnot. Did I miss anything? Uh, you missed your own gear, dude. Yes, I did. Hockeybuzz.com for all your Pittsburgh Penguins three-peat stories this year. He's banking it early. I like it. I like it a lot. Three-peat. Not looking so hot right now. <laughs> you know what's funny? We do this podcast now. We get to next week, and the Penguins have gone on a five-game run, and it just looks hilarious. That's... Why sports is so I don't, cool. I don't think any of the criticisms are um, not valid. I think they are capable of winning those games because they do have high-end talent. But high-end talent, they, they all need to kind of be clicking at the same time to carry it. Yeah. No, no, and no, they no, could. Just, they very well could. It'll be I wouldn't like they, it through a playoff run. but If they win the games and lose the possession battle, it'll be interesting to see how it flows on for the next, you know, 10 to 20 games. Well, they won a cup doing that in the spring, so. They did. It's going to be tough to do it for, what's that, it's 100 games. Well, lastly, uh, at Hockey underscore Hertz, at Walshy 66 at Gunner Stahl. Those are our Twitter follows. And that will conclude the podcast. Uh, great to have games back. We'll have so much more to talk about the next time we're on, and we will see you next time. Bye.